Yeah, I had sung my whole life, but I pretty much put it aside for a career in journalism. I thought I had left singing behind me. And then Thomas tapped me on the shoulder and I started this new chapter of my life, which has become this incredibly fulfilling side gig that allows me to express myself in different ways. It's just such a different set of muscles that it kind of gives me a new perspective on everything. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about Northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from St. Lawrence University, where a strong liberal arts tradition with real-world applications equips students to solve 21st century challenges. stlawu.edu. Being on the radio or television or a podcast is like being in a box. I mean, literally, a radio or TV or a computer or a phone is actually a box. But I'm talking metaphorically now. For the most part, what you know about me or someone more famous comes through the context of the job that made us or them famous. But every once in a while, there is an opportunity to get to know someone in a completely different context. If you get any of your news from public radio, the name Ari Shapiro might be familiar to you. He has been with NPR for more than 20 years and has been one of the hosts of All Things Considered since 2015. But when I talked with him almost a year ago, it was not about journalism, not exactly. Shapiro at the time was about to come to the North Country to perform with the band, or as they call it, the little orchestra, Pink Martini. Shapiro has sung with the group in concert on and off for years and is featured on several of their albums as well. He joined us from his home in Washington. Thank you for taking a few minutes to talk. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Could you share the story of the fateful barbecue that you threw that led to, what, a a decade of working with Pink Martini? I love the fateful barbecue as a headline. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Portland, Oregon, where Pink Martini's from, and I was a fan of theirs when I was in high school and became friends with them over the years. And after I graduated from college, I would throw a party for them whenever they would come through Washington, D.C., And there was a Monday night that actually two bands from Portland, Oregon, happened to be in D.C. with a night off at the same time. It was Pink Martini and also a sort of folk rock band called Blind Pilot. And I decided to go all out and throw this fateful barbecue on a Monday night. And I invited a bunch of my D.C. friends and Pink Martini and Blind Pilot. And it went late into the night and it turned into a sing-along around my piano upstairs. And the next day... Pink Martini's band leader, Thomas Lauderdale, the pianist, said, hey, I forgot you can really sing. Why don't you sing a song on our next album? Pink Martini's lead singer is a woman, and they had written this song that they wanted a man to sing called But Now I'm Back. They actually hadn't even finished writing the song yet. They just had the concept for it. And I thought this is never going to happen, but I've loved this band since I was a kid. Of course, the answer is yes. A few months later, I was in Portland, Oregon, in the studio with the band, recording a song that wound up being on the album Splendor in the Grass. Dear Maria, I'm here to see you. Won't you please, please open the door? I brought you flowers, been waiting hours, can't stand it anymore. So here's what happened when you were napping. I just went out for a snack. I was feeling famished, and then I vanished. But now I'm back. And then Thomas said, well, now we need to find a time for you to perform this song live with us. So why don't you come to the Hollywood Bowl, which 
is this legendary venue that seats 18,000 people in the Hollywood Hills. So the first time I ever sang with any band anywhere live on stage was in front of 18,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl. And it's been going ever since. That was like 13 years ago. So so that was really your first time like singing professionally. Did, did, did you have any kind of singing career before that? Yeah, um, career would be overstating it. But I had been in choirs and I had sung in musicals. And so, yeah, I had sung my whole life, but I pretty much put it aside for a career in journalism. And it turns out that journalism actually scratches a lot of the same itches in terms of being able to connect with an audience and tell a story and on the best days, maybe even change somebody's outlook on the world. But I thought I had left singing behind me. And then Thomas tapped me on the shoulder and I started this new chapter of my life, which uh, has become this incredibly fulfilling side gig that allows me to express myself in different ways. And I use my vacation time from NPR to do it. And it doesn't exactly feel like a vacation, but I come back to the news feeling rejuvenated and ready to dive back in again, because it's just such a different set of muscles that it kind of gives me a new perspective on everything. Well, sure. I mean, the the NPR thing <laughs> is, uh, is pretty demanding. Uh, do you ever have trouble f- keeping it from creeping into your psyche when you're on stage or in the studio? There's a song that um, we recorded for the album that we released about five years ago called Jadiwi. Um, the song is in Arabic. It's called Finismadi. Finismadi Fitev Hawak Albal. And this friend of the band's who has since passed away named Iyad Qasim wrote the lyrics in Arabic about the experience of a refugee longing for the homeland that he might never see again. And he told me that he took the new title of the song from something his own parents who were refugees used to say, which is, there's no breeze as sweet as the breeze of home. The title Finismadi means in the, in the sweet summer breeze. And we sang the song in Lebanon, which is the country that has taken in more Syrian refugees more than almost anywhere else in the world. And um, it was this strange convergence of this artistic way of relating to a global upheaval that I had also as a journalist covered reporting on the flow of Syrian migrants. And we also, you know, we've performed it at a venue in Manhattan that has a view, it's an outdoor venue, uh, that has a view of the Statue of Liberty from the stage. So I've sung that looking out at the stage, all of which is a long-winded way of saying you can't compartmentalize these things. They're all interconnected. And to me, those interconnections are more interesting and fulfilling and stimulating. And it's better not to kind of wall it off and close one door in order to open another. Each sort of informs the other in different ways. At the same time, you don't want to be standing on stage and having goosebumps and forget what you're doing up there. Oh, I have definitely done that. I have definitely gone up on my lyrics, flubbed something in the middle of a show. But I think that's kind of the fun of seeing a live performance. I, as an audience member, don't want to go to a concert and feel like I'm listening to an album. I can do that on a CD. I can do that on Spotify or Apple Music. I I want to go see people be humans on stage, having moments that they are never going to have again. And so I kind of love when I go to a show and somebody forgets a lyric. And as a performer, 
at least I convince myself that it's giving people a more interesting experience when I forget the words of a song. Do, do you speak Spanish? Do you speak Arabic? I don't speak Arabic. I don't speak Spanish. Over the years with Pink Martini, I have sung in probably half a dozen languages that I don't speak from Armenian to Ladino to Greek. And I always try to learn the lyrics from a native speaker. But I think maybe because I grew up learning Hebrew prayers and I don't fully speak Hebrew, I'm sort of accustomed to learning songs in languages that I don't speak. And there comes a moment in the process where it goes from syllables that don't make sense to things that feel like words. And by the time I'm performing in front of an audience or recording in a studio, I want to be at the place where I know what I'm singing. I feel like I'm delivering the words with their meaning, even if it's a language like Armenian that I have no previous familiarity with. Interesting comparison to uh, to to you know the the typical Hebrew school experience, which is learning the blessings and learning the prayers without necessarily learning the language. Right, but even if you're learning a Hebrew blessing or prayer, you know that Baruch Atah Adonai means "Blessed are you, God." You know that like Borei Pri Hagafen, which means you know the fruit of the vine. Like you have a, some vague knowledge. And similarly, I know that Finis Madi means in Arabic in the sweet summer breeze. Um, and I I know what I'm singing as I sing the song, even if I can't conjugate a verb in Arabic. There are a lot of people from all sorts of musical backgrounds that have been a part and are still a part of Pink Martini. Does it have the sense of being kind of this extended family? Oh, totally, totally. And for me, not seeing these people every day, getting to check back in with them and catch up with them. Oh, you were just in Rome. How was that? You did this show with the National Symphony. Like, tell me about it. It's like, you know, summer camp or catching up with old friends. I, it's, I just feel really lucky to have it in my life and to have them in my life. As we're having our conversation today, I gather you are getting ready to head out of the country for a reporting trip. I know a trip like that can be pretty intense from a journalism standpoint, but do you get to feed your musical brain at all when you were in the field? Yeah, you know, especially the first stop on this trip is Senegal. And the last time I was in Senegal, I was a White House correspondent traveling with Barack Obama. It was 2013. And I remember the music in Senegal being incredible. This time we're profiling a hip-hop artist named Matador, but I'm really excited to hear the music there. We're also going to be in Morocco and Spain. This is a project looking at the connection between climate change, global migration, and political extremism. So it's a, a, it's a big topic to tackle, but I find that often if you look at these things through the lens of arts, it gives you a different perspective and a way into especially some of these difficult stories that otherwise might be a little harder to, to bring people on board with. Folks have uh, described you as a, a polymath, uh, a renaissance guy, or maybe just someone with an amazing range of talents. So peel back the curtain. Is there one thing out there that you wish you could be better at? I'm really bad at baking pie crusts, you know? <laughs> I can't bake a pie crust. I've tried and failed many, many times. That's what crumble is all about. That's why I make crumbles. I totally, I make crisps and crumbles. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. So so what is the feeling like for you when you are on stage with Pink Martini versus being in the studio, hosting when there's breaking news and, and you're just waiting for that Eleanor Beardsley two-way to be ready? The biggest difference is the, the, the presence of the audience. And I use the word presence carefully because obviously when you're on the radio, there is an audience present, but you don't feel them. 
you don't have that kind of exchange of energy that you have when you're live on stage and people are applauding or cheering or silence and you can hear a pin drop. When you're performing with a band like Pink Martini, there's a sense that even if this is a concert that they've done before and will do again, there will never again be exactly this experience in this way with these people at this time. And there's something so special about that, especially after the two years of the pandemic when we were not able to gather in person in that way. It just feels, uh, I don't know, like everybody in that space is collectively creating something together. And when you're on the radio, it's very intimate. You know, it's like, I'm here talking to you, and I don't know if 10 or 100 or 1,000 or a million people are listening, and ultimately it doesn't matter. But uh, that intimacy is very different from the kind of give and take with an audience that you feel when you're on stage with, with a band like Pink Martini. Well, Ari Shapiro, we've heard the news side of you for so long. It's been great getting to know the musical side of you just a little bit. Thank you for having me. Ari Shapiro is one of the hosts of NPR's All Things Considered and a sometimes member of the little orchestra, Pink Martini. We talked with him last year just before he came to the North Country for a concert at the Lake Placid Center for the Arts. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke. I hope you enjoyed our interview, and you can catch new content every Friday right here or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about Northwards and NCPR on our mobile app or at our website, ncpr.org. And while you're there, make a donation to support everything you hear on North Country Public Radio. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, Bill Hanel is our digital director, and Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.